Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 10. And I am reading from the English Standard Version, and uh, we're just going to start with this passage, launch into something tonight. We're just going to kind of talk about um, some things that are important. To, to hear and to receive uh, as a church, as individuals, and the role you play in this church. So, Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, everybody say turn, And I would heal them. Meaning, if they would turn, I would heal them. And so Jesus is saying, this is on them, not me. And this is him explaining why he teaches in parables. So, from this passage, uh, as we get into this, and you're following along, you'll be like, this was an interesting passage to start what we're going with where we're going to end up, but it, it's a good launching uh, passage. So I want to talk about the elements of revival, the elements of revival. Uh, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for every person that's here tonight. We ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive, we ask, because we want what you have promised in your word. And we want to know you, Jesus, and we want to see uh, you magnified in our church and in our city. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this uh, passage, Jesus is explaining to his disciples why he talks in parables. He talks in parables so that not everyone understands him. Uh, Jesus wasn't trying to make it plain for everybody. He was communicating kingdom truths in such a way that those who had ears to hear would hear. Those who had eyes to see would see. Those who were hungry enough to search out and seek out and understand what he's saying 
they would do so. And the ones who were having a skewed view through whether tradition, religion, hardness of heart, they wouldn't be able to get what he's saying. This is what Jesus says. He says that because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, they fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. They have closed their eyes, lest they should see. I mean, this, this was what this prophecy is pointing out, is that... Um, It's this idea of, <laughs> I can't see. Well, open your eyes. No. I can't see. Well, if you'll just open your eyes, you will see. No. I can't see. Open your eyes. No. Okay. Doesn't that sound just kind of ridiculous? That's what the prophecy is saying. I can't hear. <laughs> Unstop your ears. No. Uh, that, that, that's what's taking place in this prophecy. And when we play out literally what the words are saying, we're like, that's kind of ridiculous. And it feels like, you know, they're, they're like two-year-old children. Well, exactly. There is this element to human nature that... Um, if we're not careful, we can grow dull. The people's heart has grown dull, and so with their ears they can barely hear. And, uh, you know, uh, when, when the word is, is, is spoken, Jesus is teaching in parables. Some people get it, some people don't. It all has to do with the hearer. It's the bottom line. It, the word of God is the word of God. And the word of God can get forth and go forth from anyone. It can be a good preacher or a bad preacher. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. When the word of God goes forth, if there's somebody out there that's hungry to hear it, they're going to hear it. So it has nothing to do with the word. It has everything to do with the hearer. And so uh, even, even this, you know, when the word of God goes forth, and in, in, I've once again had conversations with you know, people where they, they critique everything. Now, there's nothing wrong with active listening. There's nothing wrong with making sure that what's being preached is actually in the word of God. Uh, that's, that's a good thing to do. But critiquing everything with the motive of seeing, trying to find fault in it. That's what the Pharisees did. That's, that's, that's not good either. There, there's, and, and so... All, all of this in this prophecy that Jesus is talking about, Jesus ends up with uh, this statement at the end of Isaiah's prophecy and says, if they'd open their eyes, if they'd unstop their ears, all of this and turn, I would heal them. In other words, if they would just turn, I would heal them. Meaning, once again, this this healing, which is, the context is more spiritual, it's all on the person. It has nothing to do with, uh, you know, whether or not God's willing. It's all in the fact of the turning. If they would turn, I would heal 
them. And so this is the idea. Revival is people turning to God. It is not talking about simply filling pews. It's not just about that. Obviously, it's great. But um, there are churches all over America where pews are filled and people's hearts are far from God. That's not revival. That's not revival. One of the signs of revival is a passionate desire to hear the word of God. There is a eagerness when the word of God is preached. There is, there is this uh, just kind of like anticipation. Man, the word of God's about to go forth. Anything can happen. What's going to happen today when the word of God goes forth? What's going to happen today when the praise team starts singing and something drops in here and we're just like, well, let's see how far this goes. When people kind of get into that mindset, that's when things really start to take off and things really start to get crazy and nothing changed with God's spirit and nothing was altered with God's word. What happened? The people's hearts turned back to God. Their ears longed to hear the word of God. Their hearts longed to experience the presence of God. God didn't change. The people changed. They turned back to God. That's revival. That's revival. And so, uh, you know, if we want revival to happen in our city, revival first has to happen in our church. And if we want revival to happen in our church, revival first has to happen in our home. Revival in my home leads to revival in my church, which leads to revival in my city. And it's not a complicated progression, and it's not a complicated equation. It's if we will just turn our home back to God and all of those homes assemble on Sunday and Wednesday, then this church is going to turn itself back to God. And when this church, amen. When this church begins to turn itself back to God, there's going to be something happen in this city where evangelism doesn't have to be taught because the spirit of outreach is caught. Why? Because we've turned back to God. And so that leads us to the first step. There cannot be revival without repentance. There cannot be revival without repentance. You know why? We look at it. Uh, there's this author, Jonathan Kahn, who's written many, or well, seven, which is actually many, um, books um, regarding this uh, frightening <laughs> parallel between Israel's demise and the direction America's going. And it lines up to a T. In fact, prophecies of judgment that are recorded in the book of Isaiah were uttered by government officials in America. And it just led to the next progression of things. Timelines 
of when destruction and judgment came to ancient Israel. America's followed the same timeline. You have to read the books because it's insane. I don't have time to go through it all tonight. What I'm saying is, is points out that, uh, so points out this progression between Israel and America and these warning signs that came to Israel before the first judgment came, which is where, uh, if you will, the, uh, the hedge of protection. Which, anyone ever pray a hedge of protection? Anyone ever done that? Okay, I've done it. But then you got Christian comedians which point out language things like a hedge, you know, trim my trim my hedges. Like, I don't want a hedge around me. I need a brick wall around me, you know. I don't need some little bush of protection. I need a fortress, you know. Anyway, um, some of you will get that on the way home. But you'll be like, a hedge, that's what, it, no, <laughs> no. So uh, the, the, the hedge is removed in Israel and foreign invaders came into the nation and you see the progression in the Old Testament and then he compares it to 9-11 and it literally falls to it, everything falls in place. It's insane. And um, in other words, the bottom line is, is if a nation doesn't, which knew God, uh, and was committed to God, turns away from God, these things begin to happen. That's what happened with Israel. America was founded on Christian values, and there are forefathers who said, uh, you know, basically, um, if America ever turns away from God, everything, all the curses that are uh, Moses said in Deuteronomy will happen to America. It's, it's recorded in history. And so this progression follows and so he points out that once 9-11 happened, there was this push, we will come back better and stronger and we will never experience this again and we are going to track down our enemies and destroy all of that. And um, the deal is, is people flooded the churches for a little bit, but there was no national repentance the God that we kicked out of schools in the 60s, we didn't bring him back in. Oh, I'm sure people were praying for a couple months afterwards. There's no repentance. So the fact that the churches were full the Sunday after doesn't mean anything if the hearts weren't turned to God, back to God. So revival doesn't happen without repentance. So how do, how do people that come to church faithfully, what do we need to repent of? This is a very simple one. Us trying to live for God the way we think is okay and not doing it the way the word of God says. In other words, this willingness to be vulnerable before God and say, search me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. If there's anything in me that is hard towards you. I don't want my heart to be dull in any area towards you. Search my heart. This continual posture of confession to the Lord, this repentance posture that I'm always turning myself to you. I'm always making sure that I'm facing you 
dead on. Not like this, but dead on, full in, in the face of Jesus Christ. This posture, this checking myself to make sure, is there anything in me that has turned from God this week? I got to turn it back towards him. Did I think I, it's because we had good church on Sunday, that Monday I didn't really need to give him much thought. No, pray without ceasing. There's got to be this mindset that is consistently and constantly connected to Jesus. And so this revival posture, this repentance posture, when a people get that, this continual turning and making sure Am I in alignment with God? Am am I who I need to be? Is there anything in me that needs to be transformed into his image? When a people grab hold of that, a willingness to be broken, not have to experience such a move of the Holy Ghost that it is so powerful that you can barely stand before you're broken in his presence, but a willingness to go to God in prayer uncovered till you're broken daily a willingness to get on the altar and be a living sacrifice daily when a people embrace that posture that is the beginning stages of a city shaking revival but until then there cannot be revival until there is first repentance and so the word revival, a couple definitions, just very powerful. Renewed attention or interest in something. Now, that's why I say sometimes revival in the church isn't a positive thing. Because if the people of God need to get a renewed interest in God, we've got a problem. That means we got carnal. And, and, and so that's, that's not something to boast about, but it is something to address. In other words, yes, if my interest in Jesus hasn't been what it needs to be this week, I'm going to have revival now, and I'm going to ignite in myself again the passion and interest in the things of God. Uh, I like this definition of revival. It's restoration of force, validity, and effect. When the Holy Ghost doesn't affect us anymore, that's a problem. And a revival means the moving of the Spirit moves me again. When the Spirit of God begins to move, it impacts me. It changes my mind. It transforms my thinking. A restoration of force that when God begins to move, something actually happens. Because we are surrendered to the moving of the Spirit. Because remember, if they would turn, I would heal them. In other words, it's the people. It's not God. It's us. It's not Jesus. If we would turn to him, he will heal us. What does that mean? Well, whatever you need healed. Whatever you need changed. Whatever you need transformed. That's all part of revival, but it all starts with a turning. So the elements of revival. If you want to take notes. The elements of revival are this. First and foremost, repentance. Turning. 
changing. Changing. What is that? Changing your mind about some things. Changing some things in your life. Removing some things. Adding some things. Uh, you know, if typically the habit is I read my Bible once a month, maybe try it once a week. Make some changes. Uh, you know, if it's I read it once a week, maybe try reading it every day. Make some changes. Make some changes where I'm going to get the word in me every day, somehow, some way. Audio Bible's really great. There's some that you can even get really great background music in. It's awesome. I like to, when I'm able to get up at 5 in the morning, when I didn't go to bed at midnight the night before, I, uh, I like to turn on uh, the, this one audio Bible, great background music, drink coffee, sitting in the dark, listening to this British guy read the book of Psalms to me. It's awesome. It's a great way to start the day. Why? Because sometimes, now when we come in and have church, we need to come in magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus together, and we need to set this place on fire. Uh, because the fire isn't going to fall if we're not really passionate about, you know, <laughs> if we don't have an interest in God, God's not going to move. So revival means renewed interest. So when we come in here with a renewed interest, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, when we come in with that mindset, man, that countdown that we play on Sundays, that's the five-minute warning that things are about to take off. Use those five minutes to get your mind focused and say, when the people of God begin to sing, the Spirit of the Lord is going to descend in this house. And I promise you, if we come in with that mindset every single time, no matter what kind of week we've had, no matter what kind of hell we've been fighting, no matter what's been going on, but that five-minute warning is my opportunity to get my mind set on Jesus. I'm going to sing my way out of this storm. I'm going to shout my way out of this valley. I am going to lift up the name of Je Jesus. is going to move. <laughs> Every single time, every single time. It's amazing. I've learned this over and over again. Sometimes you come and you don't feel like praising him. But every single time I did it, even though I didn't feel like it, man, the power of God just, bam, hit me so strongly. It was incredible. It's like this, praise is not contingent upon how we feel. It's just something we do. That's why the Bible always commands it, never suggests it, never leaves it up for interpretation. It's praise the Lord, celebrate Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus. That's what the people of God do. It's the bottom line. And so when we do that, coming to that, it's, it's a, just a wonderful thing. But back to the morning devotion when you get out of bed. You know, there's also this idea of meditating on the Lord. Now, sometimes that happens in a, a corporate setting too. You, the flow of the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit wants to move in a different way. So I've got to be sensitive to the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't always move like it's a yoga class, though. Okay? <laughs> and, and, and generally, when the people of God come together, the Spirit of God isn't going to move it will sometimes that's why you flow with it but if we only get behind the moving of the spirit when it's like hmm. now what, what what's a yoga pose yeah i don't want to say 
swan, you know, like, you know, I'm just trying to paint a mental picture for you. Like, if, if that's the only time we get behind the moving of the Spirit, there's a whole other side of God we, uh, we need to explore. And yes, though, sometimes there's a be still and know that I'm God. But we got to embrace both sides. And sometimes it's just good to celebrate. Actually, all the time it's good to celebrate. But in the mornings, if you can tell, I'm having a hard time getting off of that to get back to the, the morning devotion. But in the mornings when you're by yourself and you're just fixing your mind on Jesus, it's good to just absorb the word of God. And so sometimes it's reading it or sometimes that's hearing it, but just absorb the word of God. I'm not trying to get some revelation right now. I'm not trying to, you know, check off this long list. I just want to sit here and drink my coffee or my tea or whatever it is you drink in the mornings and meditate on his word. Because David said, I will meditate on your word day and night. So when you do that, it's going to change some things. Second element of revival, renewed prayer. I'm not talking about, you know, I love you, Jesus. You are good. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. You are good. Hallelujah. I love, um, I'm talking about renewed prayer. I'm talking about something deep inside of you that has a burden for I want God to move in my life. I want God to move in my family. I want God to move in this church. I want it so badly. I want to see the promises of God fulfilled. Yeah, this isn't something that I'm just like, well, if it's God's will. No, I'm telling you it's God's will. But the people of God, a renewed prayer life that when we come together, we're not just going through the motions, but there's something eating me up on the inside that I just want more of God. That's an element of revival. Renewed faith. Jesus can do anything. Renewed faith. Well, Jesus can do anything. Stir up the gift of God in you because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Why do I keep saying this building will be full? It's called faith because it's unseen right now. But I got a substance I'm a hold of right now that faith, that in the spirit I've already seen it. And when I've been praying in my mind's eye, I see it already. Heads everywhere, packed full. In, in the spirit, I've heard this place as a mighty roar as many people are gathered here praying. That's why I am absolutely pumped about what God is about to do. It's faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. And when the people of God get a renewed faith, man, there is no limit to what can happen in that place. When there's a renewed faith, I believe that soon and very soon, every prodigal son and daughter is going to come back to the father's house. I don't care how long the drug addiction has held them 
captive. I don't care how long the alcohol addiction has held them captive. I don't care how long they've walked away and how far their heart seems from God. I have faith to believe that every backslidden son and daughter is coming back to God soon. Why? Because of faith. Faith. I haven't seen it yet, but there's this substance I've got a hold of. Faith. So I believe that. And I'll tell you what real revival looks like. When they start coming through those doors. Man, I I saw something. This one church, they baptized this guy. And his story was for 20 years he drove past that church and something was telling him, you need to go in. And finally, after 20 years, he went in and he was baptized in the name of Jesus. I want to say this, God is still dealing with those people that you have given up on. And he's, if God is still knocking on the door of their heart and God is still calling to them, then we ought to keep praying and we ought to keep believing and we ought to keep persevering. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how it feels. If God is long-suffering, if God is willing to talk to one man for 20 years, you need to go in, you need to go in, you need to go in. I think we can keep praying the same prayers until we see what we're praying for. Do you believe that today? If it happened in that city, why can't it happen in this city? I say it can, and better yet, I say it will. Let's worship him for a moment. Let's celebrate Jesus for a moment. Lift him up with your voice. Lift him up. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Leads us to number four elements of revival. Renewed passion. It's okay to be passionate about Jesus. It's okay to shout amen. And it's okay to shout hallelujah. And it's okay to clap. And it's okay to just be passionate about Jesus. Not only in your praise, but you're just excited to be here. Because, man, last week the Spirit of God began to move. And I began to feel something I haven't felt in a long time. And I'm excited. It's okay to be passionate about Jesus out in your workplace and in your community. And you go to your coworker and you say, man, Sunday, God healed somebody of this, or somebody came in with this addiction and they left free. That, that's, 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 what we're, that's what we're shooting for here. That's what we're trying to tap into. And yes, we're, I'm, I'm here to tell you already, we're, we're in it. We're in it. But if, if I could describe how it feels, it's, it, it, was, it was walking through a dry land, and then all of a sudden, oh, the, these, these, this dirt's starting to get muddy, and I 
feet are starting to stick because it's muddy. And then all of a sudden it starts to cover your feet and get up to the ankles. And, 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 and so we're just getting a taste already of what God is about to do. If you like the moving of the spirit that's taking place uh, recently, I'm, I'm here to tell you that's only ankle deep. God is wanting to take us into realms that we can't explain what happened. Where somebody walks in with cancer in their body and they feel something come over them and they go to the doctor the next week and the cancer is gone and nobody touched them, nobody knew they had it, but because of the power of God in this place, you need to go into that church. You need to go into that building. And they sit down and they feel the spirit of God move through them and burn out all the cancer. You can't explain that. But when there's a people that have turned to God and they have a renewed prayer life and a, and a renewed faith and a renewed passion, God is going to pour his spirit out. And God is going to put his favor on those people in ways you can't explain Man, I feel that. I feel that. Let's praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 This is the anthem that we need to embrace, Psalm 63, 1 through 5. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. That right there. That's revival. You, Jesus, you're my God, and earnestly I will seek you. That's it. If a people embrace that, Jesus is my God and not this world. Jesus is my God and not money. Jesus is my God and not politics. Jesus is my God and not entertainment. Jesus is my God and not clothes. Jesus, whatever it is. Jesus is my God and not possessions. You fill in the blank. Jesus is my God and earnestly I will seek you. When a church gets that deep in their spirit, oh, you better watch out. That's revival. That's when it blows up. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. I'm not thirsty for the things of this world. I'm thirsty for you, God. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. The love of God is better than life. The love of God is better than the best life you can imagine in this world. And we need to live in it. We need to be rooted and grounded in it. Your very Christian identity needs to be built upon that foundation. Your love is better than life. So as long as I understand you love me, it doesn't matter what happens in this life. I have joy unspeakable. I will praise you as long as I live. As long as I live, I will praise you. That means every day you wake up, you ought to praise him. Every service you gather into this place, the people of God ought to praise him. 
passionately because the word says, as long as I live, I will praise you and I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. That's revival. Fifth element of revival is renewed evangelism, which is natural. I was thinking about this. I was going to point it out next year, but I keep getting into next year. If you can't tell, I am pumped about next year. We got so many good things going to happen. But I was thinking about our Friends Day we had in February, which last this past February, which we'll have another one again this year. And I began to think about it, and I realized we have at least five people that have been coming to this church relatively consistently now ever since Friends Day. What does that mean? The most effective form of evangelism and the most effective way you and I can make disciples is if we just connect with our friends and say, follow me as I follow Christ. The most, uh, the, the, the ripest harvest field is your friends. We grew by five people this year simply because of a Friends Day. And people invited their friends to church. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and point out every Sunday's Friends Day. And man, if we grow by five people every Sunday because every Sunday's Friends Day, 52 times five, whatever that is, the building's full in a year. Uh, that's, that's incredible stuff. That's, it's, that's the power that we have as long as we simply have this Thing in our core. It's not that we're always going to have a good day, but even in the bad days, I'll praise you. And it's not that we're always going to be perfect, but even though I fall, I will arise. Do not rejoice over me, O oh my enemy. It's this, it's this resolute mindset that no, I may not be perfect, but I am persistent and I am going to pursue after Jesus and I'm going to pursue after the call of God because there's this passion in me that will not die. Don't let the passion die. But revival killers are a carnal mind because Romans 8 says it is enmity against God. Revival killers are pride. The Bible says he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. Revival killers are idolatry. For the word says thou shalt have no other gods before me. Idolatry is anything that is more important to you than Jesus. And that's why we must have a posture of repentance because there are false gods warring for our heart every day. And so if we have a posture of repentance every day, oh God, search my heart to make sure there's nothing in me seeking to dethrone you. I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. Revival killers, disunity. Psalm 133 tells us that Unity is a beautiful thing, and it's this gives this um, picture like the oil that uh, flowed down from Aaron's beard. It's this uninterrupted flow. And so, when a people of God get on board and fully bought into, we 
just want Jesus and everything he has for us. That's how simple it is. That's how simple it is. I just want Jesus and I'm thankful for his presence. I feel, but I don't want to stop here. I want to go deeper. I'm thankful for the, the ankle deep revival we've stepped into, but I want to go deeper. When it, people have that, that's it. It's that simple. In Acts 2, we see that when everyone was in one place, seeking after the same thing, the power from on high hit that place. And it changed the world. And another revival killer, no prayer. Because nothing gets done. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, James 5, 16. Fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person avails much. Fervent passion. And so, if we will simply embrace the first step daily of revival which is a continual turning to God which is a living sacrifice if we will embrace the first step of revival every single day we will not have to worry about anything killing the revival that is in our home in our church in our city how simple it is if we simply embrace the first step of revival we don't have to worry about anything killing the revival. Isn't that awesome? Because revival's now. Everything we talk about, the building getting full, it's filling up. I was told we had 44 here on Sunday and we were missing like 10. And I don't know if you remember, but I had a, said one of the things I'd like to see but by the end of the year back in January is we're kind of averaging 50 by the fall. Over the past couple of weeks, it's been pretty closely consistent to 50. Uh, it's little mile markers along the way that we celebrate. Just a little celebrate. The building filled. Uh, we've grown this year. I'm killing Vision Sunday because I'm already in it. <laughs> we've grown this year. That's a good thing. What does that mean? Revival. Revival. It's now. It's ankle deep. 2023, we're taking the next step and we're going deeper. And guess what? At the end of 2023, we will have grown more. Why? Because we're not stopping. Revival is now. Revival is here. So keep pushing. Keep praying. Keep persevering. Because there's a city shaking revival coming to the city of San Leandro and it is going to reverberate throughout this entire Bay Area and there are going to be countless people come to Jesus. I felt it for years and I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep speaking it. I'm going to keep praying for it. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. It's coming. It's here. Greater is coming. I'm excited and thankful for the great things we've experienced this year. But I'm telling you, in 2023, greater is coming. The unexplainable is coming.
And so as I close here, what sustains revival? Once you get it started, what sustains it? In the spirit of thanksgiving, I'll say it like this, an attitude of gratitude. However many people we've grown this year, five to 10, I don't know, something like that. Gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for every soul we've baptized and every person filled with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, I rejoice over the one and the two and the 10. And I'm asking, Lord, send us the dozens and the hundreds and the thousands. An attitude of gratitude. I'm so thankful for your presence that's in this place. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so thankful for your mercy. I'm so thankful for your healing touch. An attitude of gratitude keeps the revival fire burning. And what starts as a little flame is going to grow into an unquenchable fire that is going to fall all throughout this city. Lift your hands and worship the Lord in this place. Lift him up with passion. Worship him right now with thanksgiving. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I thank you for every good thing you've done this year. I'm thankful, oh God, for the power of your presence we've experienced. I'm thankful for every breakthrough, every victory. But God, I'm looking for more and for greater. God, I pray that you would cause us to turn our eyes to you, Jesus, to dethrone any idols in our life that would seek to oppose you. Give us a posture of repentance daily that we turn to you, oh God, to seek your face. For what you have started in this people, let nothing kill it. But let us, oh God, embrace a lifestyle of repentance. Let us pray passionately. Let us keep the faith. Let us be passionate. Let us evangelize, oh God. 